Welcome to Swedishness, the podcast about life in Sweden. Our hosts are no less than one of Sweden's most loved and well-known TV hosts, Katis Alström, and Ireland's pride in Stockholm, journalist and storyteller Philip O'Connor. You came here 1999, right? Yes, that's correct. What was your first job? My first job was the standard first job of any Irish person who ever leaves Ireland, and that was working in a bar. <laughs> okay. So, but it was, the amazing thing was, and the first thing that struck me when I got here, Cathy's, was I moved here on the 8th of June 1999, and I came over here thinking, brilliant, I can get into the the labour market here, I can find a job, and I can do things. But on the 8th of June, about two weeks later, it was midsummer, and then the country just closed down for oh. the summer. So what I didn't know at the time was all this thing about, you know, five, six weeks paid vacation, people head off to their summer houses, and it's pretty much the end of August before everything starts up again. So I kind of sat twiddling my thumbs for the first two or three months here in Sweden, pretty much like the rest of the Swedes. Yes, we, yeah, we have vacation, actually, yes, during the summer. I noticed. But don't you? Uh, not really. I mean, I've been here for 17 years as this is being recorded, and I never really got into that thing of taking the time off. And I think that's the cultural difference between me and you. If we put you up there as representing Sweden and me as representing non-Swedes, I never had that idea that I can take three or four weeks off during the summer. So how many summer. weeks do you have in the summer? Max two weeks. Oh, You know, but that's the thing. I mean, you would see that as absolutely horrific. But where I come from, two weeks is pretty much standard. And for listeners in the USA, it'll be going two weeks. You know, you might be lucky if you get that. But is it too long for you, like five weeks? No, I would love to take it. But somewhere mentally, I can't switch off for that long. And as well as that, both of us work as freelancers, right? So you figure that, you know, if I take five weeks off, my clients will forget about me. But the truth of that is that if you do take five weeks off in, in Sweden, for instance, nobody's really going to care because they're pretty much their summer house or out of the country anyway. So you're not going to lose anything. So a lot of that time during the summer is spent, you know, sending emails and getting these out-of-office replies, you know, that I'm in a hammock somewhere, please don't bother me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But you've worked in a variety of places, yes. uh, a variety of different organisations, media organisations, charities, you've worked as a freelancer. How do you manage your vacation during the summer? Do you always take off for five weeks? Um, when I was employed, I yeah. did, but otherwise I just take one week, two weeks, ten weeks, it depends. It depends. So, so you, like I'm free to choose. Exactly. So, so you use that then. You know, that if you're freelancing, maybe you don't take so much time off. But if you're employed, you go, okay, I'm going to do this four weeks during the summer thing. Yes. Do you not get enormously frustrated when you're sitting there in July and you think, right, I'm going to do something today, and you mail five people and they go, I'll be back at the end of August. No, I, I, I think it's okay. I mean, I, I don't. I think it's nice. You get a lot done. When everybody is away. <laughs> But does, so that, does like anybody it. pay your bills? If you send somebody an invoice in July, do they pay it? Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yeah. Even But if we're on vacation sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> But my first job, you, you said you pick glasses? Yeah, picking up glasses in a bar and serving beers and that kind of thing. And uh, Because my first job was picking, do you say pick strawberries? Picking strawberries, yes, yeah. Yes, that's my first job. The best ever. Would you not go back to that now? Abandon the media career, go back to picking strawberries? Not a very lucrative market. I might, market. I might, in you some years. Know. Depends how this podcast goes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, today's topic is actually Swedish work life, or rather how much we don't work. And I'm pretty sure you have some fascinating facts about that, Candice. I do. Actually, I've asked a consultant to give us some short facts today. Frida Nanneson works for the Confederation Swedish Enterprise. Frida knows all about the effort we put in. Let's listen to what she has to say. 
Um, so most people in Sweden work um, a 40-hour week. Uh, in theory, that means that we would work 2,080 hours per year. However, we do not work every Monday to Friday. Uh, when things such as vacation, sick leave or parental leave are taken into consideration, the actual working time decreases. On average, Swedes work around 200 days per year, or 1,600 hours. And this is actually among the shortest working times in Europe. I realize Frida forgot to count all the hours Sweden spent in meetings. I find it almost impossible to get hold of people during office hours. They are always in meetings. Statistically, it's only 25%, but it certainly does feel like Swedes spend all their time in meetings when you mail somebody or you call somebody on the phone and go, I can't answer now, I'm in a meeting. (laughs) And that seems to happen all the time, right enough, but um, only a quarter of the time, apparently. But this meeting culture is another thing I found fascinating with Swedish companies, that people seem to have meetings about meetings about meetings, and it takes ages. Is that because of this sort of consensus society? Because everybody seems to have to agree before anything can be moved on, right? Probably it is. And it's it's one way of socializing and one way of consensus, I think. What is it like in Ireland? In Ireland, it's very much, you know, people steer from the top down. So you you have a boss and your boss goes, you're doing this today. And you go, okay. So, and sometimes you will be asked your opinion, but uh, there wouldn't have been as many meetings and certainly not meetings about meetings. You'd be just told what to do and then you go ahead and do it. What do you prefer then? I prefer the way things are done here, but I'd like a mix of the two. Without, I mean, it's great that everybody agrees is fantastic, but sometimes you worry that a good idea might just get a little bit diluted if mm. everybody has to contribute to it before a decision is taken. You know what? I think it's time for today's first guest, who knows everything about Swedish labour legislation. Excellent. Madeleine Lennartsson is Head of Human Resources at the Nyköping Municipality. She has previously worked with HR in many different organizations and also used to run her own business on team building, leadership and recruitment. So Madeleine, could we start by asking you, on average, how many hours do you spend every week in meetings? Oh, now as a manager, about 35 of my 40 hours a week. So, so the thing of the stereotype of Swedish workers spending a lot of times, uh, a lot of time in meetings—that's uh, that pretty much holds true for you. Yes. So you have the meetings, and then you have the coffee breaks, and they're like essential. Isn't that very special Swedish thing? Yes, it is. Uh, I think in a coffee break you take issues that you don't take in a meeting, and you can talk just ordinary things that happen happens during the week. Um, like in in the daily, the other yes. life, the. In the daily the private work. life. Um, yeah, that too. That coffee breaks are when we get personal with each other. Well, that's an interesting thing as well, because uh, it's kind of like informal meetings, because work things do come up in coffee breaks. And I found with people who've moved here to Sweden that they go, oh, I'll skip the coffee break, I'll go back, I'll answer my email. No, because then they miss out on this sort of social aspect of it, right? Yes. And actually, we do have in the, in the uh, labor law that you have five minutes, an hour to take for a pause. Yep. And that's what we usually uh, brings together to a coffee break. Yeah. Yes. I love this. Legally mandated coffee breaks, Cathy. I'm all about this. It's incredible. But, I mean, what did you think about it when you came here? Yeah, um, in one sense it was staggering, you know, that you do have legally mandated coffee breaks and other legislation, which we'll talk about in a little while. 
And yet it makes sense because we talk a lot in this podcast about the consensus society and about the need to reach this consensus. And that takes time. And the difference being that, you know, when you do have this level of organization, things tend to work reasonably well. When you do get to a decision, it just takes so long to get to that decision. But one of the other things I'd like to ask you about, Madeleine, was uh, this thing of um, my friends are always on to me when they see this uh, newspaper article that keeps going around on social media about Swedes and how much vacation we get and the legally mandated coffee breaks. Is this unusual for Sweden? I mean, are we at the, the top of the, of the tree here or is, it, is there anything comparative in other countries that you know of? Well, I think Sweden uh, has been talking about working hours and, and the environment for such a long time. So I think that's why we uh, probably are a bit uh, ahead Mm -hmm. uh, in this area. So um, the working environment is very important for us. So what do people ask for? If you do an interview with somebody, what is important about the environment and everything? Um, They usually uh, ask about um, what influence you can have in a position and uh, working hours, of course. Uh, how many weeks of uh, vacation you can have and um, how the relation between the manager and their position is. They want managers to be close to them, but not to inf- interfere too much, leave some um, space to make own decisions. The younger generations, they tend to, to look more of the balance between spare time and work time. Um, and it's important for them that uh, they are bringing value to this society. So I think um, the younger generations want to have some more fulfillments um, mm. in their jobs. Of course, it's not just a salary and a vacation. There are other benefits that Swedish employees can enjoy. You have flexi time. You have being able to take time off in you when you work overtime. You have uh, what they call a friskvords bidrag, where sometimes your employer will actually give you money towards your gym membership. Are these things that, you know, when you interview people, that they ask you about these things, or do they just take it for granted that they're going to get them? No, they're asking about the benefits. Uh, absolutely, and it, it's also if uh, we have any other benefits. The collective bargaining agreements made by the, the big unions here in Sweden on behalf of workers, they've been around for a long time. What do those agreements usually cover? About 70% of the of the employees in Sweden has an, uh, a collective agreement. Okay. And uh, they cover more vacation and they cover... Um, if you have any more benefits. Uh, and then you can have extra pension uh, from the agreements too. Uh, it's important to see that the em- employee organizations and we who employees uh, are making the deals together. Mm-hmm. And we are uh, actually taking the decisions about what salary you get. That doesn't, um, the unions are just uh, negotiating yeah. about it. So we are making the decisions. Um, But we have quite a lot of discussions every year about the what what agreement we can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they follow each other. So depending on what um, one union gets, the other tends to follow. Yeah. So what's your view on on Swedes working overtime? Uh, Then you have to back, uh, back up to the environment again. Uh, because if you're making a lot of overtime, uh, we think that it's important that you get your time back. 
uh, and you don't get it in money because if you tend to work a lot and you get it uh, back in time instead, you can um, you can uh, produce more. Mm -hmm. But if you get it in money, suddenly uh, you might just be stressed out. Mm. Yeah, you never get the chance to recover or to rest or that yeah. kind of thing. On that subject of rest, actually, you mentioned that uh, I think it's the, the legal end of things is that you have to have five weeks of vacation per year. But isn't there something that says that you have to, or not that you have to take, but you're entitled to take a certain amount of weeks together every summer? Yes. Um, we have to see too that the employees get four weeks of vacation during the summer months. Okay. But Madeleine, if somebody is, is want to work in Sweden, um, what would you say to that person? What should you be prepared for? You should be prepared for meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be pre prepared for discussions uh, and to uh, have an open mind because we uh, tend to to discuss things and, and uh, come together about decisions, how we should do things. And what else do you need to prepare for? Um, you you need to be prepared to to open up and be social at work too. It's important for us to to get to know each other to a certain level. Every summer you have to prepare to take three or four weeks off in your hammock, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that's my favorite part of the preparations. <laughs> okay. And probably a week during the the winter time at uh, around Christmas. Mm. Yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And then lots of coffee. Yes. <laughs> you might think this lazy life would have a negative effect on our productivity. But statistics show otherwise. When measured per capita, Sweden's productivity is higher than the OECD average. But let's be honest here, Sweden fares lower than countries such as the United States or Germany. Now it's time to move on to our next guest. Englishman Julian Stubbs is a brand strategist who lives in Stockholm, but the word is his workplace. He's one of the founders of Up There Everywhere, a cloud-based communications agency with 160 consultants across the globe, including 35 suites. Flexibility is key to the company which challenges traditional employment models. Uh, Julian, could you just explain to me what a normal work week in Sweden looks like for you? Sure. Well, I'm, I guess I'm a pretty international person, so I'm based here in Sweden, Stockholm, and I love it. One of my two favorite cities on earth, uh, but I travel. So every week I'm probably flying a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So we have clients in California, we have clients in Switzerland, UK. So I'll probably, probably be meeting with them and then the rest of the week in Sweden, in Stockholm. Mm -hmm. So how many hours is it in the end? So my typical work week, and this is one of the reasons we developed this new way of working, was the fact that we believe work and life are no longer separated. The fact is they've merged. And so I realized I was answering emails at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, but I was still working completely during the day. And I thought, well, there's something wrong with that equation. So really what I want to do, I want to take two hours off in the middle of the day, pick my son up from school, play football, then go back to work. And traditional employment didn't give me that option. So the fact is uh, you have to change the way you work and live and the balance and actually decide on the balance you want. So my typical week could be anywhere from 30 weeks to 80 hours a week, 30 hours a week to 80 hours a week. And that's fine. 
because it's my decision, it's my choice. So you spend time with your child and, and maybe other things you want to do, like football and other things, uh, whenever you want? Correct. So, I mean, what, uh, two of my passions in life is my family. I've got two boys, and if I call him a child, he'll kill me. He's 14. <laughs> But, um, you know, he likes to play a bit of football with me, and then we like to go to Liverpool. We're Liverpool fans, so we go for a weekend, we take the Monday. And again, that gives you the freedom to do that, that a traditional employed situation wouldn't allow you. And I think that's the future of work for a lot of people, not all people, but for a certain segment of society, are going to need those freedoms in their downtime as well as work when they want to work. So what are the benefits? So the benefits are you can decide how many hours you want to work. I don't need anybody to say, you know, you must only work 30 hours a week or 35 hours a week. If I want to work 16, 80 hours a week, that's my decision. Equally, if I want to work just 30, I can I can do that as well. Equally, if I want to take off six, seven, eight weeks in the summer, I can do that as well. But do you think that bigger companies need to, to ta- think in another way in the future to meet this? So I think, and what we're really talking about with our new approach, is it's for the service sector. So the service sector, if you think about, well, how big is the service sector? So look at how many uh, independently employed people there are in the US. They talk about the 1099 economy. This is the IRS tax code for people who are self-employed, freelancers. Now, it's just hit 35% of the entire American workforce is independently employed. Now, at the very bottom end of that, there will be people who are taxi drivers, Uber and everything else. But there's a vast number in the middle who are independently employed who are now deciding, and it's not just because they left big companies, they've decided they want to live that way to balance their life mm. and decide how they want to live their life and their work. So it's it's impacting the economy. It's worth a trillion dollars. Do you have any idea what that market looks like in Sweden at the moment? I would. One of the reasons we set our company up in Sweden, I would say Sweden's one of the more progressive places when it comes to almost anything, <laughs> but certainly employment. And um, so setting a company up like ours in Sweden wasn't too difficult because the mentality is already there. That And, and provided you deliver, mm-hmm. it's a question of measuring productivity. And I think Swedes are much more open to measurement of productivity in different ways than just you come into an office, you clock in, the boss sits over you. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do that anymore. And the, world, the world's given us these great productivity tools to work wherever we want, whenever we want. And I think Swedish companies will be good at picking up on that. Mm -hmm. And it's a revolution that's only just happening. So really, we're at the beginning of it. And as I said, Uber's at the very beginning and low end of that that potential market. I certainly remember at the beginning when uh, broadband started to be rolled out here in Sweden. I talked about high-speed broadband, 100 megabit kind of thing. And a lot of companies then were sort of open to to people working from home in a way that because that sort of infrastructure was there that enabled you to do it. If you were sitting at home, you know, where I come from in Dublin on a 56k modem, you're not going to be able to do the same thing. But immediately companies opened up for that because I think they recognised what you're saying, the the work-life balance, the ability to do things in a different way that benefit the employee as long as the productivity is still there. Correct. And when it comes to things like uh, productivity, so the reason we started this, it goes back six years for me. I was sat in a car in a traffic jam in in Stockholm. We also have traffic jams like London. Um, And I worked out and I did a calculation that I was spending two hours a day in my car going in and out, parking another hour wasted. And I worked out I was wasting 14 days a year sat on the E4. 
Now, that's not productive. It's not good for the environment. It's not good for fuel bills or any of that. I thought I'd sooner spend two weeks in a hammock on a beach than <laughs> wasting it like this. And it suddenly dawned on me that actually I could work at home. Uh, we've now got high-speed broadband. We now have uh, communication schools like like Skype, uh, FaceTime, GoToMeeting. So you can actually meet with colleagues around the world wherever you want. And you've got the productivity tools in terms of project management systems, Dropbox for large file storage, mm -hmm. and they all work. But what about like teachers, nurses, doctors? How can they have a life more like yours? Well, that's a really good question. And I mean, I th as I said... I don't think it's for everybody. I think you definitely need certain people in place to perform at certain jobs. But do you know anything you can do to change that? Because they they have heavy, heavy jobs and well, they work I, many hours a day. I heard of a, a great app yesterday, um, and this was for, for doctors. Imagine, you know, and I get this frustration when one of my kids is sick or I'm sick, and you're trying to book a meeting, you can't get through... What do you do? Well, there's now apps where you can connect to your doctor directly. So I do think that those jobs will change as well. Mm. And it is about productivity. Uh, you mentioned that uh, Sweden is open to this kind of thinking mm. and that you found it to be very progressive. Mm. But um, the legislation that regulates the workplace and working hours here is pretty comprehensive. So how does that dovetail with what you're doing? Well, I think firstly, um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new part of the economy. And, and uh, a new part of the working life. And so things are changing. So today in the UK, there's a test case with the GMB union, with Uber. Mm. They're challenging Uber and saying, actually, you're an employer. You should pay all these people salaries. And and they're probably going to lose that case. And But it's being challenged. And without a doubt, it's changing legislation. And governments will have to rethink this thing because it is an important consideration. I still believe a lot of people need protection and they need those agreements. But for other people, they, they need them less and they actually want to make their own decisions. Now, there's a real case in the US. And funny enough, in the US, there's something called the Freelancers Union. So if you look it up, um, what they do is they provide advocacy. They provide information on pensions. So who's thinking about their, these people's pensions? Nobody today. So there really needs to be organizations that start to take that up. And again, that would be part of the change in the economy, I think, in the work the work economy. Would you say that you work more effectively and getting more things done when you have this kind of more free way of working? Absolutely. And so that's been for us setting our company up. And we originally set up with two of us. Uh, neither of us are employees. We created a brand that we both work under. We've both got our own uh, individual companies that uh, we deal with. Our clients deal with our company, our brand, but the fact is the productivity of the way we work, we always say, you know, you're better off, don't go into an office, work where you want to work, where you're most productive. So really the productivity goes through the roof and that's one of the real upsides. And so if you think about the other thing the economies are having to cope with apart from uh, digital tools, changing things, is globalization. So how are we going to respond to globalization? It's going to be by being more productive. Mm. And so for me, that's one of the secrets of this. But isn't this, like a human being, isn't it very important to have some rest for Correct. quite a time, not Correct. just like two hours or yep. three hours, or for a long time or for a weekend? Or there's a, there's a real danger that once you start working this way, you work all the time. Mm. And, and I've seen imagine. it, I've been in it. Mm. And uh, so we advise people when they join us. So today we're 160 people globally 
who work this way and we're connected by software and digital tools. We all work in the same way. We, we have physical get-togethers to make it fun for the, for the members as they are. But we stress the importance of you have to find a balance in your life because you can work forever. That's the trouble. That's the real danger. And we've got to find ways to better regulate that, I think. Mm. But uh, how does that work in practice? You have 160 employees. There's, members. Or members, excuse me. They're scattered to the four winds. Yeah. But, you know, is there, you know, do you say you have to be available between nine and five? Or do you say, okay, you have to, this is the deliverable. This is what you have to send to me? Cor- correct. So we don't measure nine to five. Okay. It, apart from the fact that when it's nine here, it's not nine in California. Of course. So, <laughs> um, but what we measure is we look at um, a project timeline. And we say, okay, we've got three days to deliver this. Now, you decide when it's best to work on it. Provided you deliver, it doesn't really matter, does it? You can do it Sunday morning or you can do it, you know, Friday from two to three. We don't worry about that. And that frees people up completely to live the way they want to live and then work the way they want to live. So we don't worry about that. We measure productivity in a different way. We talked uh, earlier about the the important thing in Sweden to connect and to have relations and to yeah. have coffee breaks. Yep. And so, how do you solve that when you're all over the world? So, I mean, firstly, amazingly, it's uh, things like Skype and go to meeting. Once you know people, it works really well, and I, I I never feel unconnected. I always feel like these people are there with me everywhere. Because literally, they're online. There's that. However, what we've discovered over the last six years, there is no replacement for physically getting together, Mm. having a beer, having a cup of coffee. You need that. What we've discovered is the people who work best together in groups are the ones who know each other physically. Mm. They've gotten together and they've sort of had time. So what we do and some of the things we invest in is just get-togethers. And what we believe is that if you see employment as one stream and being a freelancer as another stream, there's a sweet spot in the middle. If you could combine the best of both worlds, of what you get from employment and what you get from being independent, that's the sweet spot I think a lot of us want. Such as being an employee, you get work, you get money, you get an income, you get training and education, you get colleagues. And all of those things are important. It's not just the money. Being a freelancer, you've got freedom and flexibility and things you don't get in a traditional work life, but you don't have guaranteed income and you are alone. And so actually trying to combine the best of both worlds is the ideal situation. So one of the things we've just run a course in presentation skills, we brought in 12 members. It was the first come, first served. Do you want to learn professional presentation skills? We brought in somebody from London to teach them over two days. How do you make a presentation? Great. And that's what you get from work. And you have to, we think, put that back into the mix. But I'd imagine that, um, that this, as you say, you're alone and you're not guaranteed an income. Yeah. This sort of freelance life is not for everyone. Have no. you ever had a member that said, you know what, Julian, this is not for me? And, and why did they say that? Yeah, we have. I mean, it's, it's not for everybody, as I said. Um, everybody who joins us, we set the bar quite high. Firstly, we don't let anybody in. The only way in is you have to know somebody on the inside who says, this person is good, whether it's their skills, but also they're capable of working this way. So once they're in, we then actually interview them three times and we sign a contract with them. So we're pretty exhaustive in the process of trying to see if they're right. But even then, it doesn't always work. But in a traditional employment, it doesn't always work. So that's no different. But what we have noticed is, you know, there are certain people who really fit this lifestyle and there's others who really need an office and a boss. 
so it's just really working out who's who. Uh, Julian, how long have you been in Sweden? Um, only 20 years. Only 20 years. Okay, in that short period of time, <laughs> you will have sort of become aware of, you know, the generous regulations around parental yes. leave, health care, free gym memberships, <clears throat> a five weeks vacation, five minutes every hour to drink coffee and, and that kind of thing. Um, as a branding specialist, would you say that these are all contributory factors to, to making a strong brand for Sweden as an employer? Absolutely. I mean, and I'm, um, I'm, I'm in place branding. That's my professional skill. So I've worked with the city of Stockholm, capital of Scandinavia, and we looked at a lot of the Swedish and Scandinavian values as being central. You know, one of the things I think that distinguishes Scandinavia is legislation when it comes to employment, uh, childcare, uh, paternity, maternity leave. All those things are baked into the system and, and, and a certain amount of safety as well, security. And all of those things, I think, are, are fundamental to Sweden and Scandinavia. Hmm. You mentioned uh, in the beginning that Stockholm is your favorite city. Yep. Why? So um, it gives me, as I say, I was lucky enough to work on the branding of Stockholm so I could compare it to other places. And when we, we, we put together the idea, and we, we called it the capital of Scandinavia, is because um, if you travel the world, it's a very free city, it's a very open city to ideas. You can work in the way you want to work. It's very open to different types of people. Um, so I think all of those things make it a great city, but then it's a beautiful city and it's a connected city. And I mean connected in the sense of I can travel easy, but also in terms of digital. So, you know, it's a great place to base myself, to live. Uh, the winters are a bit dark um, and it gets a bit, <laughs> a bit chilly around January, but, you know, it's a great, great place to live. Another reason why I live here and I don't live, say, in the UK or America is it works. I think Swedes are incredibly pragmatic. They make things that work, systems that work. And I go back to the UK, it drives me mad within about a day. Uh, just things don't work well, which should work well. I think in Sweden, we're very pragmatic about that. And you were, I heard you talking earlier about, um, you know, meetings. And the fact is, in Sweden, we tend to have a lot of uh, thought and discussion beforehand. But once we decide to do something, we do it. Now, there's plenty of countries in the world who sit there and have a few meetings and decide to do something, and then they don't do it anyway, and it goes wrong. Mm. And so I think, actually, I prefer the Swedish model. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. Really welcome. interesting. One question remains, though. If Swedes have this nice work-life balance that they like, how does that affect the economy? Are we doing that well? We asked Frida about that. The Swedish economy has been doing rather well in the past years. The recession in 2009 wasn't as deep or long-lasting in Sweden as in many other countries. Last year, our gross domestic product, GDP, which measures the value of all goods and services produced within a country, increased by 4.1% to 4,181 billion Swedish kroner. In per capita terms, the increase was a bit lower, at around 3%, since the population is growing. In 2016, growth has remained high, uh, the National Institute of Economic Research expects GDP per capita to grow by about 2%, which is higher than in most other European countries. However, in the coming years, the forecasts don't look as promising. I really like this. It was 
inspiring, wasn't it? It was interesting to see uh, what Madeleine said about the, the, so the old-fashioned culture, the collective bargaining agreements, the five-week summer holidays, and then how Julian has sort of changed all this and said, no, I want the freedom to choose when I work and to choose what I do with my time. Yeah, but don't you think that this foundation and legislation gives us the freedom? Yeah, I think it's a very good foundation because you know that if you want to have stable employment, you can go and find a job that will give you your five weeks, that will give you nine to five every day of the week. But if you don't want that, you can choose to go the freelance route, you can choose to work for yourself mm. and that support is still available to you. The parental leave legislation still applies to you. The, the medical care system is not going to kick you out because you don't have that because everybody's insured anyway. So it certainly is, uh, it's a very progressive way of looking at the labour market and allowing people the freedom to choose uh, what their work is going to be and how they go about doing it. But I really like Julian when he said like, the physical meetings that you you need to have them too. I think at the end of the day we're all social beings yeah. and you know I have a lot of contacts in, in the media business and I'm sure you do too you know an editor who sits in New York that you've never met but has bought an article off you at some point but always 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 as Julian said if you sit down you have a drink with somebody if you just shake their hand or you have a coffee with them you know you look them in the eye and then all of a sudden you know that's the human connection is really made there and nothing in the electronic world that I've seen not Skype not project management tools not Something like that can replace that human no, it's interaction. Important. And as a freelancer, sometimes you never get invited to Christmas things or you know dinners. Yeah. And so I, I like the idea of, of really trying to get together, even if you're free at well, work. Well, I think we'll make an agreement now that you and I will have our own freelance Christmas dinner this year. Will we? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by the Swedish Institute, a government agency which promotes interest and confidence in Sweden around the world. To learn more about all things Swedish, visit sweden.se or sweden.se on Facebook or Twitter. To learn more about the Swedish Institute, visit si.se.